Hello. Um, yeah, I'm back. You know, welcome back to the Mind Your Fitness podcast. Again, with me, your host, Tom Fowler. Third series. Wow. Um, yeah, thank you for coming back for the third series. And if you're new to the to the show, welcome. Uh, yeah, so it's grown arms and legs since the, the first two series. And I am so excited to share all of the knowledge bombs that I have for you. It's yeah, it's going to be insane. I'm going to be talking to to more guests on on this series, and I can't wait to share their journey with you all. You know, to help you become a you know a stronger and more resilient person. Please don't forget to subscribe, review, and share the show wherever you may listen to it. Throw it on your Instagram and you know tag me in it. And um, so yeah. I'm, Buzzing to get them started. So, you know, with that in mind, let's get cracking on with today's show. For me, everything is about mental health. Yeah, everything. And it's it's back to that wellness factor. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because before it was so distant from anything, it was. I'm going to train till I basically pass out or collapse or make myself so run down because I'm constantly comparing myself to someone else. And that whole way of life is so negative and then it's really hard to pull yourself back out of it. So yeah, being more aware of your own mental health and your own barriers builds strength in different ways, which people forget about. Definitely. Um, and one thing I, I'm very much a believer of, you know, comparison is it's a thief of joy. You know, you, you constantly, uh, before I kind of would have said it was harder for women, but I think now given the, the fitness industry, I think it's, it's kind of level peg now because like you said a minute ago, like girls want to sort of grow and get this big, you know, Kim K ass and, there's so much emphasis for, for women and I still see it now if you know, they want to develop the lower part of their body, but then, you know, you give them a five kilo weight or something and, <laughs> and they can't lift above their head. And it's like, well, hang on, let's, let's build a whole, you know, a whole package. And for men, it's right. Let's have a big chest. Let's have big arms, but no, like, let's let's just look past that let's let's stop using your body as an ornament and let's just use it for the instrument you know that it that it actually is so i mean i've had it a couple of times so i obviously i'm a trainer but i've got a little bit of a podge i've got a little belly and i fucking love it you know for me it my market is is predominantly mums and i go to them so they are comfortable in their own house but if I turned up, I could barely fit through the door. So I mean, they'd be like, who's this geezer? Get out. Now, what is it? Is he going to eat me or what? <laughs> but, but yeah, I've kind of really gone off topic there. But yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. You have to kind of look at that whole sort of wellness package and at the forefront of it, mental health. It, it's got to be. Bang, it's got to be right there, right in front of you. Just, just do it. It's got to be 
before. Yeah, it's having this whole holistic overview. Hmm. So it's not just looking at the silo. It is that holistic approach, which people forget about. And yeah. I think for me, I, after performing arts and a big saga that we'll discuss that impacted me, I did beauty and did yeah. holistic therapy. And to me, that's where I really started becoming aware of my mind, my body, and how the two impacted each other. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. And the industry is changing slowly, but it's always yeah. going to be a slow change because it's hard yeah. to convert people. Yeah, definitely. So, so let's touch on performing arts then. So, yeah, mm. so we, we went to the same college. I was yep. more, more acting, you were more dance. I still heavily believe I'm the better dancer. <laughs> but, you know, that's an argument for another day. <laughs> that's debatable, <laughs> but you definitely can throw some shapes in the Coliseum. Oh, yes. Put it that way. Oh, yes. So, so yeah, talk, talk to us about you know, the, the performing arts element for it and, you know, you sort of, you touched on there, sort of the, the negative side of it coming out of it. So, so yeah, uh, elaborate on that first. So I, so I lived in a household with my mom and my sister. My mom had various different mental health issues and she was a heavy, heavy drinker. Is putting it lightly, she was a full-blown alcoholic. Mm. So for me, doing was she a functioning alcoholic? Sorry yeah, to functioning. Yeah. yeah. So she went to uni. She got a two-one. She worked in a refuge with uh, prostitutes and addicts, and that's when I started seeing, started noticing her behaviour. Mm. But she was very high-functioning. Um, so I went to college to perform an arts because I enjoyed dancing, I enjoyed expressing and I enjoyed getting out my own head and pretending to be someone completely different and having that freedom. Um, college was hard for me. It was tough. I struggled. Um, I, was work I was at college, I worked, I worked in a nightclub because I decided that on the few occasions I went out and let my hair down and drank, I could never stop myself and I would go too far. And there's, you'll probably remember, there was more than one occasion where I would just go off on one, my mood would switch, mm -hmm. I would just be in a complete wreck. And I started quickly noticing I was turning into the person I never wanted to be like. So I thought, so I can still see my mates and still be included because I didn't want to exclude myself. I'd just work in the nightclub that everyone went to because I got to still see everyone, but I didn't have the effects and I knew I could control it. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was tough and things got worse and worse. And by my final year and my final performance, um, 
don't get me wrong, I got into universities, I got into schools, I did all my auditions, I did everything. But things got to the point where I started hiding my wrists from self-harming, making myself sick. I used to pull my hair out. I would just flip out uncontrollably for no reason and get into this really heavy state of depression. And then the next minute, I'd be absolutely fine and going a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. And to me, that was really scary. I didn't really understand what was happening. But when I was down, I was down, like, I remember getting a bit of glass off the side of the street by the Coliseum and basically trying to slip the side of my throat. Mm. And I just didn't see any way out. And it was horrible. And I got into Winchester Uni because that's where I decided I wanted to go because Winchester is very quaint. It's very pretty. It's very quiet. It was not manic. And I didn't want to be somewhere too busy. Yeah. And my doctor gave me my antidepressants that I was on and gave me enough to last me till Christmas break. Um, and things got worse with my mum. Just, just um, can I just pause on that point there? Yeah. So your doctor gave you antidepressants to kind of see through to, to Christmas. So you would have started uni's august september yep so that's you know f- let's say what three four months worth of antidepressants that that's quite a risk from you know for a doctor and you know this is just my opinion i think that's quite reckless of yep. of your doctor G- given the fact that you at that time had suicidal tendencies for him to to give somebody in a depressive state a a very large influx of antidepressants that could have had a fucking catastrophic outcome um and yeah it nearly did because it got to the point where at this point i'd left living with my mom and i was living with my nan in her one bedroom flat and i just couldn't see an end so Mm. i wrote letters and pretty much took all of my medication as well as paracetamol and anything I could find. And if it wasn't for Tish, Mm. calling my nan's landline because I wasn't responding to messages, I wasn't picking up the phone and the only message she got back from me was goodbye, my nan wouldn't have come in and checked on me as quick as she did to find me in that state. and get me to the hospital and from that point um, the crisis team came to see me and they wanted to section me Mm -hmm. my nan said she doesn't know what's happening there's no point putting a section on her she'll go because she doesn't know what's going on she's just not she is not there anymore and I was admitted to the Caledon Centre and did you well how long were you in there for? The first time, I think about three and a half months. What impact do you think that had, not only on on you, but I mean, I'm going to be quite, obviously I'm going to be honest and I guess probably going to come across as quite brutal at times, but Fine. the impact it's going to have, I guess more on your nan and, and your sister, um, 
you know, rightly or wrongly, I guess. So we obviously we come from fairly similar backgrounds in you know ha- having an alcoholic parent. So I don't think the impact was going to be too great on your mum. But again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the biggest impact was probably going to be, you know, on on your nan and your sister. You know, uh, am I close to the truth there or am I really sort of far in the wrong direction? So, yeah, so my sister didn't really understand. I think she was scared, but it was always as if everything always came back that it was me and it was all in my head and I was attention seeking. So my mum would tell family, she's just attention seeking, but no one in the family believed that she was an alcoholic. No one wanted to listen. I extended family. No one wanted to listen what she put us through. Because of her being so fully functional as an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. And I would be like, she's drinking. I can smell it. I know from her body language, her tone of voice, everything. And no one believed me. No one believed me. So when I got to that breaking point and that happened, extended family believed what my mum said and believed it was attention seeking. Mm. My sister struggled a bit. My nan, my nan had lost her son when I was three Mm. because he committed suicide. So it was hard on my nan and my nan vowed to make sure she did everything to get me right and get me better. And if that meant me going into hospital, she didn't want me to throw my life away. And she has been like my biggest support ever. Yeah. So yeah, it was hard because she'd already lost a son. Yeah, so she's going to have the same fear. Um, yeah. And I would imagine at that point, she probably stops looking at you as a granddaughter. I kind of imagine she she just takes you as as a daughter and you know let's let's be really frank and honest okay Tish so I'm trying I'm actually going to try and get Tish on the pod um if she didn't make that call you wouldn't be here today that's you know that's the brutal honesty but then for your for your nan to react like that and to be just to be that rock for you. Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine the bond that you, you know, that you formed since that and the love and support that you would have gotten. It's the love and support that you would have needed from, you know, a female role model from, from a younger age. And, you know, it is, is your nan still with us? Yeah. She's still yeah. with us. She's still in cough. Like she, She's awesome. She's not bad. I do feel bad that I'm not closer, hmm. but I needed to get out of cough. And yeah. she fully supported mine and Tom's decision. She was like, if you want to move to Australia, if you want to move, to, she was like, you need to do what's right for you. Yeah. I just want you to be, in, I just want you to be happy. And she's always been very much put yourself first because no one else yeah. will. And that, and that, yeah, that's unconditional love. That's the only, that's the love you get and expect from a parent. Yeah. And yeah, it's what you get from, from your nan. So that's beautiful. Yeah. And like I went into hospital, she'd come visit. 
I don't really remember the first probably three, four weeks mm. because it was such a blur, um, quite heavily medicated. I wasn't really eating. Um, I didn't talk. I didn't speak to anyone. So it was hard. Um, but at the same time I was in there, my mum then was also admitted okay. and they had to split to make sure we weren't sharing a communal garden because of how the wards are split in there. Yeah. Um, I was assigned a psychiatric nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Gary Church. He was freaking amazing. He was such a good support. He taught me so many techniques, got me CBT. Um, yeah, he really helped. And between him and the hospital, they got me into college again to do BT yeah. to try and get me some structure and find something to keep me grounded as such that wouldn't be too overpowering. So yeah. beauty's I'm not I'm not bashing anyone in the beauty industry because I love it. It is difficult and there is this element, the same with PT and anatomy and physiology and I was geeky. I like science. I like that yeah. side of stuff. So for me it was that and then the balance of learning holistic stuff that they thought would help um, and they got me in and I met my other half while I was at college mm-hmm. um, and we're still together. It's 11 years this month. Yes, yeah. uh, so he didn't really know and then we kind of made it official and I had to kind of tell him that I was different and I was a bit of a mental person because of the stigma and stuff like that and he was like I don't care he stopped by me um he's been great he's seen he's seen me have a couple of wobbles Mm -hmm. over the years um I didn't want him to meet my mum and then I thought I should try and give her a chance bad idea but you know I had to try because Mm -hmm. as her daughter you want to believe they're going to change. You want yeah. to believe that they will get the help and they want the help and they'll stick to their medication routine and they'll do all this stuff. But she couldn't even do it for her kids. And she was in and out, in and out. And in the end, I completely cut ties with her because I listened to my nan. And my nan said, if that's what you need to do to be well and happy, that's what you need to do. So I was taken in by my other half family. They are the most incredible family. Like his parents are split and both remarried. So it's an even bigger family, which is amazing. Um, And yeah, it's just been a roller coaster. And within that time, I've had lows, I've had highs, I've had manic places. I had, I was diagnosed with a mild form of bipolar, um, which the doctors have said, oh, yeah, you've got all the signs, but I also have a um, condition called endometriosis, which for women, it causes major impacts on hormone levels. So a lot Mm -hmm. of the symptoms mimic each other. Yeah. Um, So that's a struggle, but... I did my beauty, I learned about Indian head massage and chakras and the holistic side and the power 
the food and oils, which sparked my love to go back to dancing and yoga and find being active the way forward for me. So I haven't been on medication for 10 years. Wow. I have done everything I can not to be in that state where I need medication because when for me personally and everybody is different some people do need it Mm -hmm. for me it made me worse I was kind of a zombie I was zoned out because the meds were so strong yeah Um, so for me, I needed to find a different way because I wanted to function. I didn't want to be a, just another statistic that has this stigma and everyone points at you like you're a yeah. crazy person because, you know, that's the stigma that's still around. Probably, and, yeah. You know, I, I am proud of myself and it's only been since I've had my son that I've really become appreciative and expressing gratitude and love to myself that yeah. I am here, I have a son. I was told I couldn't have kids. I was worried yeah. when I got pregnant that, well, I got pregnant and it was a complete shocker and blocked it out and just plowed through work a thousand miles an hour. I didn't let up, everyone told me to slow down and I didn't know how to deal with the fact that I was going to be a mom. All yeah. these emotions of, I'm going to turn into her. I don't want to be like that. Oh my God, this is going to happen. And that's difficult when you've been in a household with alcohol and verbal, physical abuse to then become a parent yourself. As much as you try, you get them thoughts of, you can't do this. This is what it's going to be. And I had a bit of a cry and a bit of a breakdown with my other half. I was like, can't do this. I can't be a mom. And it was literally like, three weeks out from my due date, complete break. Um, and he was like, we can, yeah. we can do it kind of thing. Um, he said he was terrified. So that made me feel better. I, I knew then I wasn't solely on my own. Yeah. Um, and he came early because of, I couldn't feel him move at all through my pregnancy. So they decided to induce me early and I had a sunshine midwife. So a sunshine midwife is basically someone who has had mental health issues in the past or at higher risk of postnatal. Okay. You get assigned a sunshine midwife. So instead of them coming out for the first five days, I had her for 30 days to check oh, on me brilliant. and make sure. And she was amazing. And the instant he was born and put on my chest, the love and them doubts and them feelings disappeared. So for me, I think I had a bit of prenatal depression and anxiety because I didn't know what to expect and all these fears came in. Um, Had him, everything was great. So proud of myself and then I went back to work and I started distancing myself from him. I kind of started losing that bond because I was so work focused, Um, which was difficult 
and I did have times where I felt I'd lost that connection with him and stuff but you know I worked through it had a lot of issues in my my last job um a lot of complications um but I'm not gonna bad mouth them or anything like that but things happened that you know made me appreciate my son more and yeah. things started then impacting me quite heavily negatively um and I thought screw it I've wanted to do PT in for a long time I reached out to Henry yeah. you Glenn all these people back in Coventry that I've known for years and have seen me go through hell and back yeah asking them for their advice and every single person went why not someone yeah. even said why haven't you done it before why why have you waited this long and I think the combination of feeling settled in a relationship owning a home mm-hmm. having a son gave me that courage to go I'm going to learn something that I want to learn for yeah. me I want to make a difference to people and help people because of the positivity it had on my life um so I got qualified shout out to Luke at the PTC hey. brilliant absolutely loved my qualification with him and the guys and they're so supportive and even through some of that I was having a really rough time and they were so understanding to see me through and get me through my qualification especially lockdown yeah you know covid you know and um I want to escape that bad boy that's uh that's here for the foreseeable well until we're told it's not (laughs) yeah when they when it fits their narrative yeah um, when it fits their macros yep so yeah it's been I haven't had the easiest upbringing living in Coventry. There's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of negativity within the city. And it's really, it takes such a strong person not to get sucked into that environment and that world. Um, So credit to everyone that didn't get sucked into that, that life because it's, you become a statistic, you become a number. And, you know, I feel very lucky that I manage to find someone that I love incredibly, that is supportive and we moved to Bournemouth. Like we have an amazing home here, right by the forest. He encouraged me to do my qualification in PT. He encouraged me to change jobs when he could see the negativity it was having. Um, because it was, it got to the point where it was very negative in the work environment. So much so that someone in my team left and came to my new workplace with me. Um, and she is so much happier, but yeah, I am in such a better place and I am now a qualified mental health first aider. Um, and I feel to be qualified as a mental health first aider needed to have had some experience yes whether it was direct or in directly because it's complex trying to explain to someone how you feel when Mm -hmm. they don't or haven't felt like that is a really difficult thing and there's such judgment so 
you know, I um, in my new job, love it, full time, 40 hours a week. So very full on. No rest. No rest, not when you've got a two and a half year old <laughs> and two dogs and a house to run. Um, but yeah, I, I like to keep busy. I like my mind to be focused mm. and work have given me the opportunity. I said to you in a message the other day, I do a wellness Wednesday with my, my finance team. Yeah. And we discuss suicide, depression, anxiety, homeworking. Um, I did a yoga session with my team, just very gentle yoga, sending them tips and hints and helplines. And every day I send them a positive quote or get them to think about something. And to me, if I just make one person go, oh my God, I actually appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I know I'm doing my little bit to raise awareness. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's full on. So what, what's your head like when, when it's not, when you're not on the go constantly. Mm -hmm. So I kind of asked that question because for me personally, I'm very similar to you. I'm very much go, 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 go. You know, I'm up at six every morning. Obviously we can now get back to the gym. So I'm in the gym, come back, work in the evening and then Thursdays and Fridays all day I have clients. And then it kind of like comes to a Saturday and a Sunday I'm just like, oh, but then it's like, right, what can I do? So how does that look for you? Like, yeah, like, yeah, talk us through yeah. that. Because it so, is hard. Yeah. It's, it's hard to switch off sometimes. Yeah. And I am up. I log into work early, do this nursery run, come back work, do the nursery pickup, come back, cook, tidy up, spend some time as a family. And then pretty much once Harry's gone to bed, if I've not gone to dance or when I'm allowed to, yeah. <laughs> when I because I do pole fit, so if I'm not at pole fit or at the gym in the evenings, as soon as Harry's to bed, it's I'm very much not far behind because I'm yeah. just exhausted. But yeah, come a Saturday, Sunday, I do get a bit itchy. There are days where I'm just like, I just want to chill and just want to sit on the sofa with no child and just sleep or yeah. just not think about anything. But mom life, parent life doesn't happen. Doesn't stop. No, it doesn't stop. There's always something to do. So I know I can always keep busy. So whether that's playing with him and playing make-believe and forgetting the adult world and being a mm. child and remembering good things from being a child. Yeah. Because that was a struggle. Um, cooking. Like to cook from scratch, so or baking with the little one, or going for a walk, or I constantly like to keep busy. There are times where I just want to zone out and I'll just sit on my phone. And someone laughed at me the other day because I still play Candy Crush, but I know it's <laughs> like still going. No, no, how many levels else. are there now? Well, a good couple of I don't thousand. Know. It's got to be. 
oh wow i'm not the best at it because i get very frustrated but just <laughs> something just to not think about anything um i watch a lot of documentaries and movies uh, i'm listening to podcasts a lot so i like to keep busy and my other half thinks i'm very strange but We've just had built-in wardrobes done and I'm so excited to get some drawer organisers and organise all our clothes nice and neat because I like stuff to be in its place, in its place and tidy. And so, yeah, I'm always on the go. So switching off, me to switch off is going to the gym yeah. or going to yoga. That is me time brain can quieten and get that time um especially with yoga doing the meditation the mindfulness at the end that's really all i need yeah and then i'm ready to go again but there are times when things get a bit full-on work life outside stuff that happens where i still get overwhelmed i still get a bit of anxiety at times but I'm in such a better position to manage it and, and recognise it. Yeah. And you can, obviously I can see you, the listeners can't, but you can really see it like obviously in your face. And I've kind of been studying your face. And oh, that sounds creepy. I've been studying your face a little bit as we've been talking, because I always like to see people's reactions and how their, their face lights up when it's something that they're clearly passionate about and it's it's a driving force for them and yeah it's a shame obviously the, the listeners can't see that because every time you're talking about mental health and you're talking about your struggles and sort of the kind of place you're in now versus there like you can really really see it so yeah i just kind of wanted to throw that in the question i was about to lead on to um What's your relationship like with, with alcohol? Um, yeah, so I don't drink. Mm. I say I don't drink, but I will maybe at Christmas have like a Bailey's or a little bit. But definitely since having Harry, the smell just makes me sick. I got really nauseous during my pregnancy with it as well um i am not gonna lie i do struggle if i don't go out partying mm. so if it's like a works christmas do i think my last year's christmas do i think i was there for all of an hour but i'd organized it so i had to show my face there's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> your party guys bugger off <laughs> yeah but as soon as the trays of shots and stuff started coming out and people started getting a bit too leery it makes me uncomfortable i get a bit of anxiety yeah. um so yeah i have over the past couple of years there's been occasions where i've gone a bit too mad thinking i could control and be like i know when to stop and then haven't so yeah. I just thought it's probably easier just not to. But don't get me wrong, if it's just me and Tom on holiday, then we'll have a couple, we'll have like some cocktails. But generally, uh, I do kind of like a non-alcoholic pina colada. Yeah. So, you know, it like 
I get everyone has a choice to drink alcohol, but to me, something that can be legal, that can do that to people, is really bad. Like, it's, and I'm very quick to notice it as well. So, people I've worked with in the past, like when you have your general chit chat in the office and it's like, we had a glass of wine tonight or, and then the next day it's like, oh yeah, I've had another one. And then like, it's like, oh, so how much you, how many glasses you had this week? And it's like, oh, I've been through like five bottles. Okay, why? Oh, you know, it's just sat there. So there's no particular reason you're just opening it for the sake of it. So yeah. I, I wouldn't say I'm quick to judge, but I'm quick to observe and try and understand and get people to think about why they're drinking. Yeah. What is the purpose of it? Um, the classic, oh, it was a really crap day at work. I'm really stressed with work. Yeah. Okay. But if, yeah. But if work's making, pushing you to drink two bottles of wine a night, that's something's wrong. Something needs to change. So you yeah. need to look at your work environment or whatever it may be and try and make the changes. So don't get me wrong. Everyone's entitled to party, but I do believe people aren't as aware of the impacts that alcohol actually has. Yeah. Um, my mum was very high functioning. She got a degree, for God's sake, and got a 2-1. Yeah. <laughs> um, my 18th birthday, she sent me to the shops. Oh, you're 18 now? And at nine o'clock in the morning, I was buying three bottles of wine for a tenner from Londis and a bottle of Glenn's vodka. And even the shopkeepers were like, that's, your, that's, that's for your mum. Yeah. Like... So it, it, you know, it is what it is, each to their own, but I think awareness on not just the impact on the individual that drinks, but the impact it has on others, mm. because it's definitely tailored my choices in life. Would you say, and you know, shoot me down if I'm miles off here, would you say you're afraid of not necessarily of alcohol but of how how you are likely to react to it so and that's why you take the yeah. choice to to not drink because you don't oh. have the control over your your own body and your mind yeah definitely and i just find when i have drunk too much in the past i've either i've lost friends i've lost friends we went to college with because mm -hmm. at that time I would drink too much and I'd push them away and say things that wasn't me and yeah. the feeling of not being in control, I didn't like. Um, I, yeah, I am afraid. I'm, my biggest fear is to turn into my mom. Yeah. And if that. I can do anything I can not to do that, then I will. Like my mom now has passed away. Yeah. Um, she passed before I moved to Bournemouth, which was one of the reasons we came here, um, because I didn't have that weight or that grey cloud over going, am I going to get the next phone call from the police because yeah. of whatever reason. So 
I made a promise to Harry when he was born that I would not turn into my mum. And if that means not drinking, then so be it. Because I don't need it. Yeah. I've been out with you. Yeah. And we went to Jack's and I was on bottled water and I still partied just as hard as all you lot that were drinking alcohol. Yeah. I think that was all his Christian actually, wasn't it? Yep. So, you know, I I don't feel like I need it. Yeah. It's nice at a celebration, you know, a Bailey's or a Bailey's in hot chocolate. And I'm skiing. Bailey's in hot you know. chocolate. Oof. Yeah, we get you get that on the slopes when you ski. So good. So I'm not posh um, enough for, for skiing yet. <laughs> Give it a couple oh, of I years. You know, I think I might need to start smaller, like tobogganing, and then we'll build up. I'm not Bambi yeah. as nice as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, skiing is another another escape. So yeah. if you want to escape, go into the top of a mountain where it's Throw yourself down peaceful. It. He's, yeah, but it's the whole element of it being very quiet and yeah. still. It is amazing. So, yeah, I will have a drink. Like, after Harry was born, the first Christmas after Harry was born, um, I was really scared to drink because yeah. I was breastfeeding. But I was like, you know what? Let's have a glass of Rioja. We're at the, my brother-in-law's. Poured me a glass. And I think I had a sip and went, no, I don't. No, I don't want it. Yeah. Just someone else. I'll go grab a cup of tea. <laughs> and I was quite happy. Just you know, but there is. Yeah, you are right. There is a fear, mm. and it's being out of control. And I've had my drink spiked quite a few times, especially when I worked at the Coliseum. Yeah. And being so out of control with your body and not knowing what's going on, that scares me more than anything. So, you know, yeah, if I don't have to, I'm not going to. And I think people struggle to understand when we go out. Yeah. I think that's a, uh, yeah. And I think for a woman, it it must be quite hard um, because you're probably always going to get, oh my God, you're not drinking because you're pregnant. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I just don't have a drink. And I think yeah. it's, you know, it, it's, it's society, you know, when you're a younger person, you know, it's normal to go out and get fucked up, but it's not though, really, is it? Like the damage it's doing, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it's not positive. You know, people are, you know, everyone's well within their rights to, to live how, live their life however they want to, but you kind of have to know your limit and just be responsible, you know, for every action that you do because every action has an equal or opposite reaction. Yeah, 100%. Like, I see all the time, Bournemouth, Bournemouth's like party central. Yeah. Hen parties, stag parties, uni, or pre-COVID anyway. But, it's kind of seeing people the next day after the Christmas party or whatever it is. And then it's like, how do you feel? And they're like, oh, I feel hungover. I can't do anything. I feel yeah. like this. And it's like, was it worth it? 
Or a classic, oh, I can't even remember what I did last night. Yeah, and that, if that doesn't scare people, the fact that they actually can't remember what happened, then society is really wrong because yeah. not to remember, I remember when my drink got spiked. I woke up at my mate's house and his mom like, are you okay? I didn't have a clue how I got there. The last thing I remember was I was working yeah. behind the bar serving drinks to get from that to the next morning in my mate's bed with his mum there with a cup of tea going, you oh, know, you're all right. And me completely not having any recollection, scared the living shit out of me. Yeah, I can imagine. So the fact that that was because of being spiked, but alcohol can also have exactly the same. I, you'll know from living with someone that drinks alcohol, mm -hmm. my mum would wake up after a binge after three or four days and wouldn't have a frigging clue what she'd done, said. Yeah. And then she'd be like, what's your problem? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You've just like completely hurled abuse at me. You threw stuff at me. You've attacked my sister and then called the police on her and had her arrested but you're the one that hit her. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's not even just that. It's when alcohol gets to the point where it's every day and you need it and you get the shakes and you can't live without it. Trying to get someone to get off alcohol is a battle in itself. Because yeah. So I guess on the, the theme of pushing forward with life, what, what is 2021? For, for Lorna? Um, so I'd like to actually get married mm -hmm. without it being pushed back. Yeah. Because that would be nice. So for me, 2021 is to continue my journey, my journey on developing myself, mm -hmm. hopefully get in a position where I can start using my qualifications and personal training and what I've learned a bit more. Um, and I would like to be pregnant by the time I get married in Cyprus in September. Yeah. But that in itself is going to be the biggest challenge because Harry was a little miracle. So, yeah. you know, just staying positive, looking at all the good. Like, yeah. I keep seeing people say, oh my God, I can't wait to see the back of 2020. Oh my God, this year has been awful. Yeah, okay, so for Lorna, my wedding got pushed back. My holidays have been canceled. But on the flip side, I've had the courage to leave a permanent role to go temp currently temping, yeah. to be recognized as a talented person who's coming on permanent. So it's looking for the positive in everything. There's always a positive. And just helping people, even if it's just like a post on Instagram or a quote at work or just letting people know that whatever's happened, there's always a positive. You've got to look for the good. The mind very quickly turns to negativity. So it's just, yeah, keeping on this positive way and being happy with myself and proud of where I've come from and what I've achieved yeah because it ain't freaking easy 
but you know it is what it is and having people such as yourself but yeah, it's been about 12, probably more than 12 years, actually. I've been together with Tom 11, and I knew you before that. So, yeah. So, you know. It's been, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to say the least. So, you know, having people like you in my life um, who are on the same path, who think the same, mm. who are happy to speak up and speak out without worrying oh my God, what are they going to think? Is this going to affect my job? They're not going to be my friends anymore. Screw it. I am open as a book to tell my story to anyone that wants to listen and how I've got to where I am now and where I'm going forward may not be the right path for everyone, but everyone's on a journey. Everyone should appreciate that journey. So yeah. 100%. Keeping forward and being a mum. Love it. I want to end um, with a couple of sort of quick fire, sort of loose loose questions. So let's just envisage you are a world star dancer. You've got everyone at your beck and call. Everyone wants to book you to perform on their show and you're just leading just you're just smashing it you've got three people dead or alive that you can work with who are those people and why would you want to perform with them so he's not a dancer Hmm. but robin williams yeah. 100%. Um, I also, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Um, both committed suicide. Yeah. So they are very close to my heart and they are two people that should never have got like that. So definitely them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would be open to perform or work with anyone as long as they had the positive attitude towards mental health without the stigma. I like it. I wouldn't work with someone that's up their own arse and doesn't want to expand their mind. Somebody gives you an elephant, right? Full-grown circus elephant. He's a big old beast. You can't give him away. You can't sell him. What do you do with him? Um, Build a nature reserve. Mate, that is the best answer I've ever had. Build a nature reserve. Look after him. He's an ex-circus elephant who's been abused and probably got mental trauma and physical trauma. I know what that's like. Mate, I love that answer. Give him the best rest of his life that he could have. Because everyone deserves a good life. Oh, yeah. Mate, that's a class answer. Thank you. But thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, So, yeah, so... Lorna, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, and for all the listeners that have obviously listened, please check Lorna's you know, Instagram out because I think you'll get a lot from her. And yeah, if you are interested in working directly with her, drop her a message. 
Um, but in the meantime, everyone, please stay safe. And as always, mind your fitness.